mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So we're back with episode 61. So this is Claire. Who's Claire? Help meet to Justin. Okay. I'm going to spoil something for you. Uh They are an anomaly. Married a couple years. No kids. Ooh, slacking. No kids. Damn. Scandalous. (laughs) So I have a few orders of business. Business. Uh, On that note, thrilled there are so many of you (laughs) with the same amount of love and passion for a Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a lot of Treasure Island. Yes, Yes. I want to point that out. We had a couple people post that in some comments, and that movie is a delight. Tim Curry and Michael Caine were amazing in their movies because they played it straight. Like they were they were acting with actors. That just happened to be made of felt. Yep. And that's what made those movies so good. So I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of the passion that everybody feels. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking about it more around Christmas time. <laughs> uh, next order of business. Business. Is Mildred wants, you know, she asked me to thank you all for <laughs> supporting her on her health journey. A lot of sweet and caring messages. And mm-hmm. she really uh, appreciates your encouragement of extra snackies. So. Yep. That girl appreciates a good snack. Loves a snacky. So does mama. And another order of business. Josh is appealing his appeal, kind of. Uh, obviously, about a month ago is when his appeal was shot down. And mm. now they've filed to have his her- his case heard again. So last time it was heard by three judges. Now they're saying that they want the entire court to hear it. <laughs> so they're still... We're hoping... Good God, there. Somebody liked the show. I don't know. Yep. And um, I, I do. It hits the point of like, you're just not to be clear. I don't think I don't have much hope for Anna at all. I, I really mm-hmm. don't. It's not yep. looking good at this point that she's seeing the light or coming out of it in any way. Mm-hmm. But um, I wish, but not not looking good. But the longer that this goes on and the more that they keep trying. I think it just keeps her delusions going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like she will never hit the point. Not even, I'm not sure that she will, but I don't feel like there's any hope that she could hit the point of even trying to work through things as long as she thinks that there's maybe hope of proving that this is all wrong. Right. You're just prolonging her delusions, you know? Everybody's delusions. Everybody's delusions at this Mm -hmm. point. Last order, but a big one. So... By the time that this episode airs, Jill's book will already have been released. Mm-hmm. Many will probably have already read it in one sitting. <laughs> As of the time of recording right now, it comes out tomorrow. But, I mean, I just got to say, as it leads up to release, um, excerpts have been re- have been released on it in, like, People articles mm-hmm. and stuff. That's who she did, like, a little, like, sit-down yeah. article thing with. And... 
goddamn, it is shaping up to be everything I ever wanted it to be. <laughs> uh, I mean, she is... She's doing exactly what we wanted. She is, like, putting it all out there about Jim Bob. And wow. I fucking love every second of it. This douche canoe is finally getting somebody to stand up to his bullshit. I fucking love it. <laughs> and many of you have probably read this already, but Tim has not. And so this next part, it's it's for the Tims and the other Tims out there. I've decided I'm going to read the excerpt that's come out in its entirety because why the hell not? <laughs> but it's so that, Tim, you can understand why I am very excited. She going like scorched earth. Yes, pretty much. But, I mean, she's just, she's not, she's not tiptoeing around. Like, yeah. she's outing it all. Okay, so basically to set it up, she's, she and Derek are meeting up with Jim, Bob, and Michelle after a letter that they've written to them to try to talk things out mm -hmm. and apparently wherever and they had like a like another party with them mm -hmm. kind of like mediate or whatever and i don't know where they are exactly based on this but it sounds like it must be somewhere public because some girl came in and like wanted a picture with jim bob and was like saying <laughs> all these like so this is all happening right before they sit down and when was this timeline i, I have no idea this is just an okay excerpt so she says i'm sorry it took so long for this meeting to happen i said my voice was shaking a little, and I could feel the breaths stutter in my lungs. There have been some very hurtful things that have happened, and so we wanted to sort it all out, to have a good discussion together. We love y'all, and I know we, are, we all hope to be able to restore family relationships very soon. In the time I'd spoken, Pop's body language had shifted. He wasn't smiling from the video and the, and the girl outside anymore. Instead, he was sitting very still, lips tight, eyes locked in a scowl that had been sculpted out of rock. That letter you guys sent us, he stopped like he was lost and didn't know where to go. He looked at mom. She looked at me. There was no scowl on her face, no folded arms, just a look of pain. The pain of a mama torn by her baby. It was the most disrespectful thing I've ever read. Her voice was soft, but her words hit me harder than anything she'd ever said to me. I knew she was right, that she was speaking the truth. I didn't know exactly how I'd messed up, but I knew that I had. I'd hurt her and Pops, and that was never my intention. I heard Derek try to explain that we never meant for the letter to be taken that way. I looked at Pops. He was still scowling. I'm sorry, I said. We love y'all, and we could have used more care. We wrote the letter together and had hoped it would help explain our feelings. But I know we kept adding to it, and then we were tired and just figured we'd better go ahead and send it along. My voice trailed off as I tried to find the right words. But Pops wasn't listening to me. He had his own list of things he wanted to talk about. You sent me a text message, Jill. You said I was verbally abusing you. I was so offended by that, too. You know in your heart that's not right. Are you going to apologize for that? <laughs> I was nervous now. I remembered the message, remember sending it in hope that it might wake Pops up to how bad I felt things had gotten, to maybe make him give us a little space and let things calm down. I'd written about not wanting to be verbally abused, which was exactly how I'd felt at the time. I'd felt it in El Salvador as well. I wasn't sure that I could apologize for that. I glanced at Derek as I remained speechless. Pops must have sensed what I was thinking, because he suddenly stood up. You're not going to apologize? Really? His voice was loud, and there was an edge to it that I'd rarely heard. The moderator looked pale and was stuck on mute. 
Derek tensed up and I could feel him getting ready to step in. I squeezed his hand, hoping he'd get the message. Hold back. Please be quiet. Don't, do not let this get any worse than it already is. We were facing each other from the opposite couches, open space between us. Pop took a step towards me, closing the gap. It wasn't a gesture of reconciliation. It was an act of aggression. He towered over me, his whole body fueled with anger, my face flushed red, my eyes filled with tears. There was a long, awful silence that I wanted to fill, but just couldn't yet. Derek's hand was shaking in mine, and I squeezed as hard as I ever had, desperate for him to hold his tongue. You know why you're crying, don't you? Your conscience is talking to you, that's why. Pop's voice was so loud in my ears. His words were like blows. Damn. <laughs> um, I instinctively tried to protect myself and block him out. I curled up on my seat, trying to find safety in some kind of fetal position. You're guilty, Pops was yelling, stabbing a finger at me, standing right over me. Mom started crying. Derek tried to speak, but I pulled him back. You want to know why I'm crying? My voice was cracked, my eyes burning. It's that you think that I'm some kind of horrible person just because I wear pants and have a nose ring. And yet you see that girl outside and praise her. That's why I'm crying, Daddy. I'm evolving and changing, just like that girl out there, but you can't see it. Here's the... Here's the big kicker. Oh, man. You treat me like I'm a prodigal who's turned her back on you. You treat me worse than you treat my pedophile brother. Damn. Oh, God. Holy shit. Yep. So I'm excited. (laughs) Man. I think that a lot, like, she was just like, he was aggressive. He Mm. was this. He was like, you know, she, she didn't tiptoe around. Like, he seemed a little like, and it was like, nope, it was an act of aggression. And he also wasn't there to actually talk about what her part was, whether he felt like she communicated it in the wrong way or not. He wasn't there for that. He was there accusing her of these things and being like, how has your stuff affected me? You're going to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't about let's make this better. Yeah. It was about you've wronged me. Yep. Jesus. So I know that was long, but I wanted you to get the vibe for the full feel <laughs> of what Jill's putting out there. And oh, man. that last sentence, who girl, tots fired. It's... She, tots fired, she means business. So, business. so I've, I've just got Jill on the mind as she goes into tomorrow, because even if she feels ready to tell her story and she feels mm-hmm. like this is the right thing there's no fucking chance in hell that this isn't still like still nerve-wracking you know oh yeah because like she's risking a lot she's risking more to divide in her family she's risking mm. relationships with more siblings or yeah. you know what i mean like she's risking a lot mm-hmm. so um yeah I, I hope she's i hope she feels the support for the people who know we're like supportive of her saying this it it blows my like and i hope i hope to god she stays out of the comment sections oh Um, yeah i really hope she does um because it is mind-blowing to me the number of people out there who still not just like support jim bob like they're like how could you do this to your father how could you do Mm -hmm. this to your parents yeah what look what they did to her yeah and i'm sorry the responsibilities on the parent or over the child Mm-hmm. Sorry, you started all of this mm-hmm. by bringing this life into yeah. this world. Yeah. Um. So yeah, tomorrow should be a good, big day. Yeah. Anywho's also on that note, we'll actually start the episode. Are you excited though to read it? Like, it's insane. Yeah. 
So the episode is called Duggars on Stage, and it premiered November 3rd of 2009. Okay. Which is our um, anniversary. Well, two <laughs> we didn't get married for two more years. Also, that reminds me, because remember how that's also Esther's um, mm, yeah. anniversary? She's pregnant with number 14, by the way. Oh, damn. She is on her way to, <laughs> at this rate, she's going to beat Michelle. So the episode begins with a timestamp of 8 p.m., which is always an indicator that we're about to see the family gathered in the boys' room for mm-hmm. Bible time. Yep. Per usual, the women of the family are fully dressed, and Lego is in his jam jams. <laughs> because you know like we've always said he's done after this he's doing oh, his part man. he's done mm-hmm. it's a recurring theme we see but this time some of the younger boys have joined in and they're also in pajamas okay but it still tracks because you know little kids and men folk they're done the women still have work to do after this yeah. so it's sort of randomly placed but in a talking head sean asks baby cannon when she had her first baby and she says 21 mm. then he asked if she if she could meet her 21 year old self now what would they talk about and what would be the difference it's a good question and i feel like they're hoping to get like something a little bit deeper you know <laughs> what i mean like and <laughs> yep. uh maybe like a more profound answer mm-hmm. but um if you're looking for deep and profound probably not the place not the place with uh, mm-hmm. michelle duggar but all she can come up with is uh that she'd tell her younger self to nap. To nap more. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know, before you have kids or even when you just have one or like whatever, you know, there's more opportunities to nap and you might not be able to do it. So she'd tell her to nap. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what he was looking uh, for. Yeah. Nap talk. <laughs> so Lego makes an awful joke. And to be clear, I appreciate a dad joke. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a dad joke fan. Mm-hmm. I really do, but um, but he asks, "Do you know about Noah?" Well, tonight we're going to learn about Noah. Classic, classic. Got him. Hold for applause. Yeah, yeah. Hold for applause. Um, which oh, you know, Noah's my favorite. You know, he's my favorite fucking Bible story ever, <laughs> and and he's always oh. following me. I've posted a couple things on our insta stories before of like how mm-hmm. noah's paraphernalia is yeah. everywhere i go and mm-hmm. actually i've been saved every time i come across it like i take a picture of video and i have it in my phone mm-hmm. i think this week's episode is a good opportunity for me to like turn that into a reel of how like literally <laughs> yep. he know no one knows he knows he know <laughs> he knows <laughs> and uh he's always watching me so oh man so lego tells the story of noah and the kids chime in and talking heads uh, and I'm uninterested, to say the very least. <laughs> what I am interested in, though, is Hanny's shirt. Did you notice Hanny's shirt? I don't think so. Fashion monkey strikes again. Oh, damn. Okay. I cannot be sure of what monkey. It could just be a generic monkey. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if there is monkey prints all over a article of clothing, it's still a fashion monkey. True. So um, I'll have to put it up and see if anybody can identify this particular monkey. I can't tell if it still is Bobby Jack or not. Mm. It's a little, I don't know, could be generic with a J. Mm -hmm. So they've been invited to be a part of of Noah the Musical in Branson, Missouri. So that's the reason behind this retelling of Noah's Ark. Okay. So they get to Noah more about Noah. There it is. She did it. So now it's the next morning, 
we get some fucking rapid fire bingo squares. Agree. Lego is over the intercom, and it, it says that he's doing this from the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I can see you can yep, see it. I saw that too. Because yeah. um, you know where to place an intercom? The bathroom. Who does? Who doesn't? <laughs> it's naturally that's where you put an intercom. <laughs> so he says that they're already ten minutes late. So he's like, "It's a uh, ten after. We were supposed to have left ten minutes ago." So I think that this counts as Duggar time. I agree. Okay. Because I put even when he's describing what they're going to do. He does say, oh, you know, we got to be up and be ready at 7 o'clock. And I'm like, are you all really going to be up and ready at 7 o'clock? Yeah. That's that's a little far. And in the talking head right before that, they were asking various members of the family why they enjoyed um, the Noah story. And as Canon was explaining what she likes about that story, I, I kept thinking about, like, what what it means to them. And I wrote down, I feel like she likes the Noah story because it shows people that it glorifies somebody who has faith in the, in the face of like naysayers. Yeah. And And then smites everybody else. Yeah. Well, she she was just like, you know, even when his family, mm. you know, and he just, uh, even when people were saying, you know, basically, she doesn't say crazy, but she's just like, yeah. and Noah, mm-hmm. he still believed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. And then, it, you know what it reminded me of was Futurama. There's a point where the, the oceans are going to rise, so there's a guy that builds an ark, because everybody's talking about trying to leave the planet. And are you to... talking about the, one we, the scene we talked about before? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If you don't remember, he builds an ark because everybody's trying to figure out what to do. The oceans are rising. And he's at like the the wheel, and he's like, "People thought I was crazy when I built this ark." And one of them was like, "You are crazy. You filled it with you filled it with same sex animal couples." And he goes, "There's parts of the Bible I like and parts I don't." But like. But he says he goes, "Hey, there's parts of the Bible I like and I don't like." And he does a little shifty, and he's got a finger wag. <laughs> yeah, the finger. I, I posted that as a reel <laughs> yeah, on our on our actual ago. evolution episode. But uh, if you remember, that was the same episode where when I talked about that one guy presenting god what was his name something martin right i don't know mm. but um remember how when he talked about dinosaurs and he was just like well people say like you know how could they do that he's like eh, well obviously they took like baby dinosaurs it's like, <laughs> but it's just like duh god. i mean of course it was like baby dinosaurs oh, so, and he's man. like you know and they took you know they took the baby so they took up less space and then they ate less food that's how yeah. it's doable because they took babies of everything yeah yep the, the baby dinosaurs on the yep mm-hmm. none of them ate the other things no nope. nope you know yeah my other favorite one is from like a children's picture book and it's like a proud noah in front of the ark and all the animals are walking up and it's two male lions that are next and somebody circled and said would should i tell him or should you (laughs) (laughs) oh Uh, you know we love the story of noah's ark yeah you know uh you know uh that's gonna be the thing today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we always say because like with tim's dad it was always you know so yeah. with this we're gonna be like you know you know all right rapid fire, rapid fire. Bingo squares right the next one we get a hairspray square mm-hmm. but it's not through from 3901 <laughs> this time it's jed yeah jed 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 the jed the oj, the OJ. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's spraying his hair. It's kind of oh, a quick yeah. little thing, but I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. but it's hairspray, even yep. if it's not from Lego. 
And as they're leaving the house and loading up the bus, Lego is uncharacteristically wearing a button-up that is not tucked in. Yeah. It is flowy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're belt-blocked. <laughs> no view of the cell phone nope. belt clip that we know is in there. Yep. But we can't see it, so I feel like we can't get a square. It's like Schrodinger's phone belt clip. You know that it's in there, but if you can't see it, is, is it, it actually really in there? there? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, but we don't get the square. My favorite physics uh, problem, Schrodinger's phone belt clip. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. So they travel the two hours with um, no apparent issues, I guess, because we don't hear of anything. Mm-hmm. And they arrive at the Sight and Sound Theater. Yep. Our dancing king um, very astutely informs us this is bigger than our house because it has a lot more rooms (laughs) all (laughs) righty the lady that greets them challenges the kids to count all the animals that they see this you know during the entirety of them being there um both live animals and animatronic Mm -hmm. and asks if they know what animatronic means say it audio animatronics i absolutely love the Wonderful World of Disney, the the show that was Disneyland before it was opening, and it was all Walt there, and then they had animated segments, and they showed a bunch of like the Imagineers. Like I love all of that stuff, and it was the episode that they were talking about the Enchanted Tiki Room, and it was him explaining what they are, and it was one of the little birds moving and talking, and he was like audio animatronic so we always say that and then that led to another thing where we call mildred an animaltronic because especially with her she would do this i mean other cats do this too but i feel like it's especially obvious in mildred because of the fact that she can't meow and she just mm-hmm. kind of goes yep just her bottom jaw moves like yeah. Her and she doesn't make a loud noise, so it literally looks like she's just opening her mouth yeah, and closing it. Yeah, she just like, but just the bottom, like unhinge, like hinging open. Yep. So it just goes. <laughs> so we call her a uh, audio animaltronic. Audio animaltronic. <laughs> the the lady that greeted them at the theater. I don't know if they had told the kids that they were going to go on stage yet because I listened to her catch herself. Because she was like, I have a little bit of work for you guys to do when you guys are on. And then she was like, when you're here, and it was about counting all the animals. I think she was going to say, when you guys are on stage. Well, and then Cannon says something about how they mentioned to them, like, oh, a few, like some of you. So they thought it was going to be a few kids. And then it turned out being the entire fucking family. Yeah. But it was just just funny to listen to her go, when you guys are on, like she hit the brakes (laughs) real hard. So they're given a tour of the theater and the set and told how they're going to be included in the show. Mm -hmm. And then the guy kind of puts them on the spot to do an improv as a family centered around a well, um, like, set piece. And mostly Lego and Cannon do it. (laughs) And so they act out the woman at the well, you know, Bible scene. And, of course, Lego makes himself... Christ, very on brand, you know. Not like, not, not like let's have like John David. You know, it's like I'm gonna be Christ per usual. It was like when when we would play football at, on the playground, and there's always that one kid that thought they were the best one, and they'd be like, 
all right, who's going to play what position? And before we even finish the question, he'd be like, I'll be the quarterback. <laughs> okay, cool. who wants to play Jesus? Me. <laughs> right. Cool, Chad. We get it. You think you're like the leader. We get it. But the end of it, we get another rapid fire two bingo squares mm-hmm. because Lego tight lip locks cannon. Yep. And Why? in a talking head, Joy is unamused. <laughs> yep. And we get some major Joy sass as mm-hmm. she states, at the very end of the story, Daddy kisses Mom, Mama, which is not in the Bible story. <laughs> and she's <laughs> yeah, got like she two, like... like there's like two and I and like homegirl calling it out. Yep. So I got to mark those tight lip lock and Joy sass. Well, and one thing that's kind of funny is like how the kids were not involved. Like they they played it oh, out and the all. kids stood there and fucking watched. And mm-hmm. at one point, um, you know, Cannon's playing, and then she goes over and she goes, "That man just knew everything about me." And then I forget which Lost Boy it is. He's like, "That's because he knows you." <laughs> like, <laughs> and she's like, even oh, she starts man. laughing because I'm like, these kids are like not having it. They don't know improv. They don't get acting. They're like, "What the <laughs> fuck? He knows. He's Jesus." Like, <laughs> oh man. Okay, so now they're they're being taken to the wardrobe department to be outfitted for, you know, their their part in the show later mm-hmm. on. And Cannon is saying how the clothes are sort of used to what they've worn before, like for their nativity float. Um, you know that Judgy Judy was unenthused <laughs> by, but then she says it added a little more spice to things when they started like talking about beards and all this kind of stuff. Oh, Michelle enjoys a good beard, yeah. eh? Well, you know, facial hair is a no-go in IBLP, so I guess in her world, a, a beard would be, like, fucking spicy. <laughs> do you think they got home that night and she was like, or do you think when they're leaving, she's like, take that beard home. Keep the, like, you put know, the beard in your pocket. Keep, yep. Keep the beard. Yeah. Put it in the diaper bag that Jill has. <laughs> that Jill has. Because she even says at one point, she's like, Jim Bob can't really grow facial hair. Well, which is funny because, like, can't. He probably can't anyway, but mm. I'm like, there's also another can't because it's not allowed. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. two can'ts involved, yeah. but it'll sounds like he just can't grow it physically. <laughs> so Lego has on like a big, long Noah style, but he's not Noah, but it's that long Noah mm. style beard. And Jennifer is smart as always and runs the fuck away from him. <laughs> That girl, she's not fucking stupid, uh, that one. No. She's smart. She was like, do you want your hair done? Nope. Yep. Uh, do you want on this horse? No, I don't. Like, you know, she's she knows what she wants. She's quiet. But when it, she she makes her, when it's important, she makes her feelings known. Better get rid of that, kid. Yeah, that's not allowed. That's not okay. It is funny to see the difference between her and Hanny, though. Because Hanny's like a fucking tornado and <laughs> it's she's like she's so reserved and it says that she's afraid of horses and like sports mascots yeah, like a little pop-up thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they, they say repeatedly she's very serious she's a very serious yeah. toddler she seems very anxiety ridden so like we were saying michelle talks about how she says quote Dad cannot grow facial hair. So to Jennifer, he was a stranger that sounded like dad, but looked nothing like her father. <laughs> so then when he's fully dressed, um, this asshole, he's still trying to force it on her. And Jennifer loses her ever love in mind. <laughs> she's fucking thrashing around mm-hmm. uh, to try to. And like he like 
to try to get him to let go because mm-hmm. he's trying to hold her and yeah. so she's like doing like the body slam thrash and then when you you know kid you arch your back and yeah. so finally he kind of has to like put her down on the ground and she's fucking losing it <laughs> uh and it's funny because i'm like you don't really care about holding your child yeah i'm like you're actually just torturing her like you know like yeah. you're not like yeah. it's not that you're like dying to hold your child mm-hmm. <laughs> and gotta get them gotta get that footage you know yeah also worth noting that in a talking head, Jed said, oh, the OJ, um, said she was screaming, I want Jill. Because <laughs> because Jill's her mother. Jill's her, her mom, fucking mom. Yep. Like, AKA, I want mom. Yeah, that's exactly These kids what it don't was. ever want their incubator. They want their real mom, you yeah. know? And that's one of the older four. Mm-hmm. Then the OJ. Um, he clarifies things. <laughs> he says, she actually screams, Dill, I want Dill. <laughs> and then Joy chimes in, like Dill Pickles, which is really good. But anyways. <laughs> so, so does this count as pickle a pickle square? square? <laughs> I think so. I didn't even, I don't even think I caught this. Oh, really? I didn't. I don't think I caught Dill. I caught them talking about how she wanted Jill. That's very funny. So, um, yeah, I was like, this definitely to me is a pickle square because she went out of her way to be like, and they're real good. Like, like, uh, and and it is actually sort of funny because Dill is actually a really good name for her considering that she's going to be Jill Dillard someday. So it's like, I want want Dill. (laughs) We want Dill. So do we have signs for tomorrow? We'll be like, spill it, Dill. (laughs) Dill will spill. Yeah, there you go. All right. So after the costume fitting, they're now involved in rehearsal, mm-hmm. and Jennifer fucking hates every second of it. This girl <laughs> is like, yep. but same sister, same. I mean, I get it. She she cries the entire time. It's actually kind of sad. Um, but then of Jill or Dill, she's the one comforting her, of course. Like when she's yep. losing her shit yep. on stage, it ends up being they hand her to Jill mm-hmm. and Jill is like sitting down and like comforting her and soothing mm-hmm. her. And it's like, that's who, like all these little moments, like yeah. where you're just like, that's her, comf- that's their comfort, not yep. their fucking parents. Mm-hmm. We always talk about like the, what is it? Your found family. It's people that aren't necessarily like blood related, but they're people that are really important to you that you bring in. It's kind of like that where it's like, this isn't necessarily your parents, but this is the person that you get a lot of. <laughs> like, that's what that feels like. Yeah. That's who she gets the maternal instincts from, mm-hmm. not the fucking yeah. incubator. <laughs> so they get to sit in the audience to watch a first showing before they end up going backstage to get their makeup and stuff done for the one they're going to be a part of, which is the second showing. Correct. And it's not full makeup by any means. It's like just spray foundation so mm-hmm. that they don't look as washed out under the lights. On yep. most of them, it's really not even noticeable. Right. Like there's only like one of them where I was like, oh, I can kind of see it on you, but the rest of them, they look mm-hmm. kind of the same. So they spray Lego and you don't really see much of a difference on him. No. I didn't think so. But as soon as Lego gets done being sprayed, a fucking course. He decides this means he needs to kiss Cannon. Yeah. Naturally. I mean, what else would you do in that moment? And Jill's like, don't smudge it. Like, or she said yeah, something like yeah. that where she was like, don't mess it up. Like, it's like, fucking stop already. Will you leave her alone? Yeah. <laughs> so we already got lip lock, right? Yeah. So it's like, there would have been another one. Like, it's just, it never fucking ends. <laughs> it sounds exhausting. Yeah. 
I also got a chuckle out of Joy saying that her face was decorated with makeup. (laughs) (laughs) But she's like, I really like it. Um, I just love kids' words and descriptions of things. Mm -hmm. But like decorated with makeup. (laughs) (laughs) So Scott asks artist Jed, what's it feel like to wear a dress? And artist Jed tells him, it's not a dress. He takes a fence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Several fences. Yep. He's he took like, all of the fences. Yep. He's like, it is not a dress. <laughs> and our girl, she's trying to fucking nap. Mm-hmm. And she's crying as like Cannon is trying to like wake her up to dress her. But it's like, I'd want to nap too. Same. She said a lot. It literally just made me yawn thinking about it. <laughs> but she's like, do I really have to do this shit? I'd rather yeah. nap. So now the show starts and they point out who is in what scenes like on the screen, like as they're just showing clips and go fucking figure. Jana is holding a kid for her big acting debut. (laughs) She can't even get away from it for that. Even in acting make believe Mm -hmm. a Bible story, she's still got to hold a fucking kid that's not hers. (laughs) Like the ultimate role of Mama Jana. Like she's always playing the role. Yeah, when you get pigeonholed into that, like, it's really rough. Like, she's never going to get any other roles. Yeah. You know. She's going to be auditioning for the part of a young, um, early 30s woman. And they're like, oh, well, we're we're used to you in the role as the mother. <laughs> so if she was in Beauty and the Beast, she'd be the woman that needs six eggs. Mm-hmm. Is that a mother? Is she a mother? Oh, she, she has, kids. like, all oh, those yeah, kids those, all those around kids her. Are, yeah. I need six eggs. Those too expensive. There was, like, side note, like, a month ago, that was, like, in the zeitgeist of a lot of my Instagram pages, because it was, like, I always wanted to be Belle when I watched this as a kid, and I never realized that I was actually this woman, like, or it was, this is the most real in our economy nowadays. That's too expensive. (laughs) So then, Jason... He kind of throws some shade at Michelle. Did mm. you notice this? Mm-hmm. He says, the part when Mama left, she's acting like Jordan cried, but she never cries. <laughs> and the face he makes is amazing. <laughs> it's the most like, hmm, hmm oh, face like, I have ever seen if on it a was, If it was different, he would have done the, the snap. <laughs> yeah. He would have he definitely done the snap. Hmm. She never cries. Mm. That is pretty much what happened. Yeah, sassafras. Oh, it was so full of sassafras, and I loved it. So good on you, Jason. Going on visual, I'll be posting that clip just because you can't not. I mean, he's shading his mother, his incubator, his cannon. I always make the joke at work where I'm like, "Damn, are you being an umbrella right now?" Because you're throwing a lot of shade down. So, Grandma, Femi, and Deanna are in the audience watching, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. there's, not a, there's not a lot of substance in this one. No. But we're, we are left with some good funny words from Jamesy Bug. <laughs> when asked what it was like to be in Noah, the musical, he simply replied, pretty weird. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, the honesty of a child, for the most part. <laughs> So they were in Branson, Missouri, and there's my reference for the end of the episode was that there was, an, they're trying to go to Branson, Missouri, and they're like, oh no, we're in 
Bronson, Missouri, and everybody looks like Charles Bronson, like old actor. So it's very funny. What's that from? The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Hey, mom, I want some cookies. And the mom goes, no dice. And he looks up at her and goes, this ain't over. Like, it's very, they pan back and like everybody looks like Charles Bronson. I don't know this one. It's pretty good. It's one of your references. I don't know. So. Um, All right, that's it. Yeah, we uh, not a lot. Not 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 very not a lot of substance. But you know, I sat there and read like a fucking chapter of Jill's book, so it all it all evens <laughs> it out. All you know, out. yeah. I was one square away from bingo. Oh, where where am I? Where am I? I didn't even. Look. If we would have gotten oh, Duggar's no. Dine Out, or I would have gotten Bayou Save the Difference, I would have gotten. Okay. A bingo. So. I never had never any more close. than two, so not not doing so hot. Not enough thumbs up. No. No. All right. Uh, all right. So, for the record, um, the way rec- our recording works these days and has for a couple of months now is that we record these parts on two different days. Monday is like the recap, and then Tuesday ends up being the dig mm-hmm. my whole process starts on saturday it's a four-day process for me <laughs> so i work on this for actively for four days but yeah so that's just the way it's worked out it takes a long time for us to record all this because episodes are long if you haven't noticed <laughs> but with tim's schedule it just makes more sense in one really really long shot we do these divided up things and it gives me more time to work on the dig mm-hmm. any who's old so today is actually as we're recording this is actually the day of Jill's book release. Mm-hmm. The world's going crazy. <laughs> um, gotten lots of messages. I haven't even been able to begin to respond to them all. Yeah. And mine came, and I've only I only barely got to start it because I was still working on this dig. And my mind, came, I'm like, I need to finish this. Like, I got to get through this episode. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is, it's exciting. I'm yeah. I'm into it. <laughs> what I've read so far is, I'm into it. Yeah. I bought it on Kindle and I was trying to get it to my Kindle app for so long today and it finally dropped at like six something something in the evening. It finally downloaded to my to my app. So, so spoiler alert for next week's episode and next week's dig, Tim is actually reading this along with me, which is the mm-hmm. first time he'll be doing this. So like he watched Shiny Happy People mm-hmm. and then now he'll be reading this book, but up till now he hasn't read any of the things that I mean, can't you tell I wear clothes that pull eyes away from my countenance? Like, I am not good in that character book. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, you ready to dig? Let's dig. So, back in episode 59, so two episodes ago, I covered how the character programs came to be all the way back to the original character sketches from the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. The character booklets created at the request of Moscow, Russia school of the um, Moscow, Russia school system. All the way to the creation of the Character Training Institute by Tom Hill, which led to several offshoots. Mm -hmm. So that dig gave you the background and history. And now today we're going to be digging into one of those offshoots. Character first. Ooh. Um, It has an exclamation point. Oh, so you said it appropriately. Yes. So um, you have to say it with gusto because that's how it's written. Mm -hmm. So um, character first, education. (laughs) So taking it back, remember how I said at first Tom Hill was teaching classes on implementing character programs for business at the IBLP training center in mm-hmm. Indianapolis? Yeah. Well, Tom Hill and Kim Ray are from Oklahoma. 
which I imagine is part of the reason why he bought that hotel <laughs> and gifted it to IBLP and then ran CTI out of it for himself, mm-hmm. most likely because he was sick of traveling and wanted something in his home state. So one of those times that he was traveling to Indianapolis to teach a training, some Oklahoma City officials were like, can uh, we come with you? Hmm. And they accompany him to see, you know, what's, what's this all about? So that was back in 1993 when it was just him teaching, like, you know, the business type stuff. Mm-hmm. But it highlights how it was very early on that Oklahoma government showed interest. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to 1996, the year that Tom Hill officially founded and launched the Character Training Institute. There ends up being a meeting between Tom Hill, um, which, by the way, actually, Bill Gothard is finally naming Tom Hill. Like, remember how he was vague in the mm-hmm. beginning? Um, Which CEO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But finally, a few years down the road, he begins to acknowledge who was behind Kim Ray and CTI. <laughs> so, took some time, but. Oh, yeah. That's the long reveal. So, it's August of 1996, and there's a meeting between Tom Hill and eight Oklahoma City officials, which included a representative from the mayor's office the curriculum director for Oklahoma City Public Schools, the coordinator of violence prevention, a representative from the police department, among others. That's just some notable ones. Some heavy hitters. In this meeting, Tom is explaining his Character First program, and apparently everyone there is just really enthusiastic about the whole thing. Well, I mean, there's an exclamation point. I mean, how end. could you not? How could you not yes. feel the thrill? That's why when I read Deanna's posts, I mean, I'm really, I'm overcome because there's like 10 exclamation points. <laughs> so Bill said, quote, they then asked if the Institute would design a special character training program for the public schools of Oklahoma City and use ATI students along with their teachers to present it. So you'll notice Bill said they asked the Institute, Mm -hmm. which whenever Bill says that, he's always been referring to IBLP. Mm -hmm. But I kind of feel like this is sort of an area where he can utilize some plausible deniability because Tom Hill's organization is the Character Training Institute. So in this moment, he is referring to him and the Institute, IBLP, because he says, quote, we eagerly accepted, but I'll touch... More on this topic a little later and like the, the murkiness surrounding it. Purposeful murkiness. Perp- yes. Yeah. Purposeful murk. Perp murk. <laughs> the perp murk. The perp murk. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So we're on the same wavelength, honey. Look at, look at honey. us. So we're once again seeing a repeated pattern of them being asked to create materials by government officials and school systems. Just like how it went down in Russia mm-hmm. with the origin of the character booklets. And what was the year in Russia that like really started? Like 92 is when they started going over there, like 91, okay. 92. And then so about yeah. three f- yeah. years after. Exactly. Okay. So they get to work right away creating the character first education curriculum. Now let's talk a little bit about who's behind the writing of this curriculum. Tom Hill may have written the basics of like the character first program initially, but he brought in help. For the education leg of it. Okay. So there are two main players in this. The first one being Dr. Larry Guthrie. A little background on him. 
Larry had worked as a professor at Indi- professor at Indiana State University for, I think it was like seven or eight years. Okay. I think he started in 71, so I'm not entirely sure. It's somewhere around there. Um, before he ends up getting fired in 1979, the university sent him a letter letting him know his contract had been terminated due to the fact that he was insufficient, insufficiently meritorious in the areas of research and publications. Hmm. But he, of course, um, he says, you know, there's spin. There's always spin. Mm-hmm. He says that this was just God at work getting him out of the career path that he was in and, you know, to get him into some form of ministry. And a way for him not to deal with the fact that he probably stretched a stretched little truth a little and got yeah, fired exactly. for it? Yep. Okay, cool. I, I just I wanted mean, to make sure we knew it was I'll both. leave a little space for not knowing the full story, but that's kind of what it sounds like to me. Like, you kind of played some stuff up. I don't think that one day they were just like, oh, wait, we never looked into this. Maybe, yeah. but unlikely. Correct. So he ends up working for IBLP and writes the nature section of the third volume of the early character sketches. Because remember how there was just three of those? Mm -hmm. He also wrote many of the science and medicine curriculum sections for the ATI wisdom booklets. Oh, good. I've read a lot of those materials and that is not something to be proud of. So he's he's Mr. (laughs) Pre-Med. Yeah, exactly. So that's some of his prior work within IBLP, just to give you some history. But pertaining specifically to today's topic, Dr. Guthrie was appointed Director of Curriculum Development for Character First Education. You will hear his name again in the future um, with future digs Mm -hmm. as he was involved in, you know, other things within IBLP as well. So I wanted to introduce him a little so that down the road you can kind of like connect dots. Okay. I like being able to be like, oh, yeah, that's the same person that Mm -hmm. did this. Another key player in the character first education was Robert Greenwall, who served as the publications and training director. Now, Robert gives me major David Waller vibes, and it was just in this moment right now that I realized they both have Wall in their name. <laughs> like, literally in this moment. Like, yeah. So, he gives me... I can't, I cannot fucking stand David Waller. And I don't even fucking know this Robert guy, but that's the vibe I get from him. Maybe it's the wall. But um Has I'm, anyone seen them in the same room together? <laughs> I'm not stating it as fact, but my gut is rarely wrong. I'm a pretty good judge of character, even in these instances on paper where you're just reading some shit. So Robert was a former ATI student himself and was fairly young when he got this position. So that just kind of adds to the Daler Wall Wall bleh, David Waller vibes of it all Mm. she'll understand the future but he was a young in that kind of came up in the system as like Mm. a little bill gothard prodigy (laughs) whatever (laughs) anyways so just a few added tidbits on robert since 2014 he has served as the executive administrator and board assistant at kimray so i just point that out to see how they're all very intertwined even years down the road Mm mm-hmm the next thing isn't at all relevant to IBLP or character first education, but I wanted to share it because as I was just, you know, looking around, poking around, you know, mm-hmm. found out that Robert has been the president of not one, but two homeowners associations, <laughs> which tells me everything I need to know about him. Well, I was going to say. Everything. I honestly don't know anybody in my life. <laughs> That has ever said anything positive about their homeowners association. Because here's the thing. 
If it was just a way to maintain some stuff, but what it turns into is people wanting power, people who are just like mm-hmm. drunk off power of not, you know, mm-hmm. who spend all their fucking time here to harass people over their weed that they didn't pull in 45 fucking seconds. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were living with your mom, Ugh. there was two older folks that would literally cruise the neighborhood in the middle of the day. And I worked overnight, so it's like I'd get home at like 8 or 9 in the morning. And as I was going to bed, I'd be like, well, there they go. And they're literally looking to see like what cars are parked on the street. Like I guarantee you they had like a like a thing of like what time did I see them last night? You know what I mean? Like it was that kind of shit. Well, they kept repeatedly sending us things about having one of us parked in front of the house. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're not allowed to do that for this amount of time, blah, 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 blah. And they sent it repeatedly. And then I sent a fucking... A fucking oh, yeah. email where I was, I explained, because we had me, my mom, Tim, and my sister. And with our work hours, the mm-hmm. way to shuffle, two car garages are not two car fucking garage. They're one car garage. They're one, yeah. The way to shuffle fo- four cars on. Four different on, schedules. Yes, on four different schedules when there's only three spaces, the two mm-hmm. in the driveway and one in the whatever. But, and I remember, I literally like laid them. This is my MO. I give all the information. I remember I like I wrote she our schedule. Yeah, I yeah. dump information. That's my that's the way I do it. Um and I was like, do you want to be here at this time when this person gets it and you expect the other person to wake up to go and then move their car or this person to stop and do yeah, their car. Miss I, I me mean, with that yeah, shit. I and then I never heard from we never got a fucking letter again, <laughs> but I was like fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it was this one like cranky looking old man that would just cruise the neighborhood. And you would legitimately see him like pull out a notepad and start writing shit. Officer, not on my watch over here. You so, know. and those are just like the minions. Imagine the, the president is fucking high on his <laughs> fucking power. So, um, don't have good feels for. I already didn't have good feels for Robert mm-hmm. Greenwald when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's everything I need to know. <laughs> and they'll tell you that, oh, we're here protecting people's um property no, values, and it's no, like, no, you're here to be to feel like you have a fucking sense of power, you fucking mm. asshole. <laughs> Any hoozle. So now back to things that actually matter. Uh, things move pretty fast. And the meetings between Tom Hill and Oklahoma City officials was on August 30th of 1996. And by February 4th of 1997, they're ro- rolling out a pilot program at eight Oklahoma City public schools. Damn. They're getting out there fast. So we just had a pause for a minute because it started like downpour. Lots of lightning. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal when it rains around here. But we have... In our, because we're in our bedroom, we have a window AC, mm-hmm. so we can make it extra cold at night. Yeah. But we have to take it out so that it, the water doesn't come through. And like, yeah. we have a whole system. It starts raining. We got things around the house that we got to take care of. There's one door that needs to be replaced. So we got to put a fucking towel. Down. So we had to go do the things, and it's really sweet because now that it's thundering and lightning and pouring, little Mildred is sitting with me in my chair, making sure Mama's okay. Yeah, it's not that she's scared no, of the no. loud noise. She's like, Mama. Don't be scared. <laughs> so thank you, Mildred. So sweet. Sitting right next to me. All right. So pilot program. Eight. Pilot program at eight schools. Yes. Okay. So before Oklahoma City schools can even start their pilot program, let alone finish it, Arkansas is right on their heels in a big way. On December 30th, Tim's birthday, of 1996, Bill and IBLP staffers meet with none other than Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee. There he is. 
Quote, plans were discussed on how the institute could assist the governor and his staff in improving the welfare program, the public school structure, and the juvenile justice system. <laughs> Just uh, what we need. <laughs> because that's another thing worth mentioning. Character First is now being sold as a way to reduce crime and things of that nature. I thought it was about business. <laughs> Which we will see more of in the future mm-hmm. for sure when we get to the Character Cities offshoot. Yep. But it's still a selling point even in this education leg. It's like start, you know, in schools. It'll reduce crime, mm-hmm. you know. But basically this meeting was a sales pitch. An easy one at that because they already have, you know, Huckabee on their side. Mm-hmm. And we see how in just a few years from now, it's a giant fucking circle jerk between Mike, Bill, and Jim Bob. Because it's in a couple years is when Jim Bob becomes a representative. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. they're all in the... Sh- they're jerking each other. They're all in the soup. Yep. By the way, this is a very rare occasion. I just want to point out. It doesn't rain a lot in Arizona. Can you hear it? Is it showing up a on? T- a little bit, yeah. So if you guys hear anything that is rain in Arizona, we've had a lot of people reach out uh, when it was we were going through a really long streak. So, so they present the materials that they have been writing that would be starting because remember they're we already talked about when it starts in Oklahoma, but like Mm. before that is when Arkansas, you know, they're pitching to Arkansas. So they present the materials that they've been writing that will be starting in about a month in Oklahoma schools. And a meeting is immediately set up between Dr. Larry Guthrie and the school board of one of the districts that had their superintendent president at this present at this meeting. Okay. At this January 1997 board meeting, the members are read a letter from Governor Huckabee enthusiastically promoting the Character First program. Must have been the exclamation point. Character first. Um, and he says, quote, we as a society are finally admitting what a vital role character plays in the educational process. And I sincerely believe that it could make a big difference in our public schools. And what do you know? Turns out one of the school board members had actually attended the basic seminar. Oh, wow. And said, quote, years ago, many urged me to attend a basic seminar. And after three years, I finally went. I was sorry, sorry only that I didn't go much sooner. Every student and family in our school needs this training. I move that we adopt this program. The motion is passed unanimously. And the Warren County School District became the very first to implement Character First across all their schools. Wow. The thing that keeps going through my head is like, it's catfishing the religion. Because they're presenting these things as like, aren't these ideals good? But underneath all of it, it's like, no, there's, 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 oh, there's other way, stuff. Yeah, way more They're to getting it. catfished. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I have this kind of joke with myself <laughs> while doing research. Because while there are IBLP training centers and things like all over the fucking place, all over mm-hmm. the country, all over the world. Yeah. Specifically here in the United States, there's a few states that are just deeper in the sauce more than others. <laughs> One being Oklahoma and the other being, go figure, Arkansas. <laughs> and, you know, it's pretty apparent that the reason for that is because their officials are gung-ho about IBLP. So mm-hmm. it's easier to spread, like, I don't know, in your fucking public school system, for example, when the people in charge are pushing it. Mm-hmm. Which is a testament to to how who is in positions of authority is incredibly important, even on a smaller scale, like your school board. Mm -hmm. Because this guy, it sounds like 
from the vibe I get it, they're not full-blown IBLP, but there's a lot of people that attend the seminars, like Mike Huckabee, that aren't necessarily full-blown mm-hmm. in it, but because they went to that one thing and there's familiarity and they're like, oh yeah, I kind of liked that, then as soon as it pops up, they're like, yeah, 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 and they push oh, yeah. it, even if they themselves are not like day in, day out, like duggering it. You know what I mean? Right. But they're still leaning that way exactly. anyway. Yeah. So it's like easier because you already have... You already have people that are like bought in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what I was saying is I have this kind of joke with myself that these two states are like in competition with each other to like try to like out IBLP each other. Mm-hmm. So in my West Side Story battle of these two states, because they're neighboring states too. So I mean, it's just even perfect. Arkansas was like, fuck your rinky dink little like eight school pilot program. And, and they go balls deep before Oklahoma can even get started, you know? So um, I guess they out-IBLP'd those Sooners. Damn, got them. Should have implemented it sooner. <laughs> They're, Am oh, I right? Am I right? She did it. Yep, 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 yep. There's a... The one thing I want to say before you move on is um, I actually really like a guy named Adam Conover. He used to have a show called Adam Ruins Everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a good podcast that I listen to. And he started a show on Netflix that was called The G Word. And the whole point of it was like people imagine varying degrees of what the government, how it affects their lives. And he was like, I really wanted to get down to the root of how does the government affect multiple people on their daily lives without them even knowing it, whether it's a program they use or uh, a service that's provided through taxpayer money that people just don't know about or assume it's somebody else or whatever it is. So one of the biggest things after he started that podcast, he was on another one I listened to when it was about to start. And they said, what was the one thing you learned? throughout that entire first season that you didn't expect and he goes the importance of small like smaller city elections and he goes we don't think who the hell knows who their comptroller is you don't and he goes but the the unfortunate part is like some of these in different states some of these positions have such a huge impact on where your money goes how your children are learning what what groups you know what iblp they're supporting like all sorts of stuff so he was that was one of his big pushes well oh i'm sorry i just feel like when i heard that which at this point was probably like three four years ago i've been so much more do trying to do more research into like who are these state council or city council members that I don't know their names. You know what I mean? Well, we've talked, we've touched on this a little bit in our Pickle a Month Club episodes about how just when I was working for the school district, I just learned, I learned so much mm-hmm. about the politics of working. Oh, yeah. Cause be, and being how tied and chained you are to the school board. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating. Good and bad. Either way, fascinating. Correct. I felt like I learned so much. And specifically, you know, I'm no, not even working there anymore, but I've been following along with their bullshit mm-hmm. because I remember when this one particular lady got voted in, I was like, oof, this ain't gonna be good because she was she her kids were never even public school she is Mm -hmm. anti-public school homeschooling uber christian evangelical Mm -hmm. she got put on the board and what do you fucking know as i've been following along they keep getting in trouble because she and another one will not stop quoting the bible in public meetings Mm -hmm. and literally the president of the board and i actually like the president of the board he was one of the ones who only who gave a who acted like he gave a shit about Mm -hmm. our my our department 
he kept being like, he keeps saying like, reminder, we are, com- we've been, <laughs> legal has talked to us this many times, you need to stop mm-hmm. doing it. And they keep fucking doing it and they're pushing their shit. Yeah. And, she, you know, she... So anyways, it's like just something that I really, I'm like, wow, who's on your school board is really fucking important. Mm -hmm. And it's something that like, it's not like I ever thought about that before. And Mm -hmm. even now I don't have children, but I know what I want the children around me to have. (laughs) Yeah. And you vote appropriately. Yeah. I may not use these services, but I want it to be good. My last note on all of that is that's what makes it rough is that like in a different environment, having somebody that came as like a teacher that like moved their way up to be like, cool, I want to impact things really well. Sounds like a great idea on paper. Our system set up that's so political, they're ne- they don't survive in that arena. So you have these people that are very much politicians running these things because Mrs. Johnson, that's been a teacher for 30 years, doesn't want to do the things that that person's willing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's a different skill set. So you have to bank on the fact that you have somebody who can exist in a political arena, is able to talk to people that are vehemently anti what you believe in certain, you know, on certain topics, and be able to find equilibrium, but then also respect the teachers, the cafeteria workers, the security guards, the janitors. Like, it's just a very special person that can do that job really well. Well, and I, not that there's anything wrong with the fact that she homeschooled her kids. Don't give a shit. I think that homeschooling can be great for in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. But it was very clear even from her, like, campaign mm-hmm. what the agenda was. And it is exactly played out exactly how I feared it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, it, this wasn't a, oh, I just want to bring in some insight of what I think is good about. No, it was like a. You're, ter- you're trying to tear public schools down. That you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Let's get off of our. Yeah, I know, our- right? <laughs> Okay, so the Character First education program is growing very quickly, and by April 1997, just two months after the first pilot program started, Bill Gothard claims they've already received requests from 30 states and six countries. Okay. So it spreads rapidly, and an April 2000 article in the Chicago Tribune, I'm still working on getting my $3 worth after the ham sandwich and... (laughs) Battlestar Galactica bust. So I'm still working that three bucks as long as I can until it's up. Um, So this this Chicago Tribune article has a quote from Bill Gothard saying this. I originally created the materials for the program in 1991 for Russia. After I presented a seminar on basic life principles in Russia, President Boris Yeltsin contacted me and asked if I would create a character program for Russia's public schools. So I created a program for them, which they still use. Then he talks about the scrubbing of the overly religious tones and it saying, quote, I decided to stop promoting a religion when I went out to talk with gangs. They would ask me what re- what my religion was. I would tell them that I was not promoting a religion, merely life principles. People are more receptive to that. And finally, I revised the materials we did for Russia and they tried them out in eight Oklahoma City schools. By 1998, 33 Oklahoma City schools used the program, and in 1999, 50 use it. Across the nation, over 700 schools in in 40 states are using Character First. I wanted to share this quote for several reasons. First of all, it highlights the growth of the program, but more importantly, Mm -hmm. where he says the quiet part loud. (laughs) About how people are more receptive to messages when he took the religious tones out of it. 
which may be to a random outsider just read they read this and think oh, okay that's good uh but we know the true motive behind mm-hmm. it and it's not just to help kids build character yep it's a large scale recruiting and takeover tactic mm-hmm. <laughs> and finally i want to share that uh quote those quotes so i can address the murkiness i briefly mentioned earlier perp murk yep yep so earlier, you noticed how he mentioned we eagerly accepted Oklahoma's request. And this last quote, he very much places himself in IBLP at the center saying, I revised the materials. Zero mention of CTI in any of this. Of course. And this is a theme we will see going forward. He picks and chooses when he wants to be seen at the center of it all and when he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, so sometimes it depends on the audience. So with Oklahoma, it started via Tom Hill. But with Arkansas, he firmly placed himself in all of it. He was at that meeting with Huckabee selling it. Because in that case, being attached to it, it being attached to him was the selling point. Because mm-hmm. Mike Huckabee already trusted him. So in that case, you're like, oh, no, no, I want it to be about Bill Gothard and not Tom Hill. Because he knows about I, me. I, yeah. But sometimes he needs to stay out of it in order to sell it. So, so people aren't put off exactly so it's a case-by-case thing and it flip-flops all over the place so sometimes he's not really part of it and they're you know two separate entities and other times he's the center depends on who they're talking to and how much credit and praise he's in the mood to get that day it's kind of what it feels like it's like going on a date with somebody though where you're like testing how much of your opinion you can do when you first meet him and you're like don't you think that uh, sports are... And they'll be like, really dumb? And you're like, oh, yeah, they're exactly. so yeah, dumb. Exactly. Yeah, God. <laughs> As you like slowly cover up your like NFL shirt. You know what I mean? Like That's how it feels where they're like, you uh, you, have, you, have, you have any problem with weird impish men that are in charge of a Christian cult? Me too. Yeah. You know, this is all about character. Exa- yeah, this isn't, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry. This is about character. First. Yeah. First. And this is just speculation on my end, but earlier when I mentioned the murkiness in in it all when he was saying the Institute, Pert Merck. I just feel like that's an easy way for him to claim plausible deniability mm-hmm. because he can be like, oh, I'm at the Character Training Institute, not mm-hmm. my institute, mm-hmm. if he wanted to down the road. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, we know what he was referring to then, but I feel like it's just like, oh, you know, I'm at yeah. the, the character, the CTI, <laughs> not the, yeah. Further adding to the murkiness, in March of 99, Orlando Weekly reached out to Bill for comment on an article they were writing. He turned down the request for an interview, but his secretary said that Gothard told her to say he isn't a part of the Character Training Institute anymore. Mm, There it is. The author of the article, Bob Norman, points out that this is fishy as fuck, (laughs) as CTI staffers have blatantly said that Gothard has the ultimate say over character first. He also noted that Bill himself actively promotes Character First at IBLP events and in their pamphlets. Now, that Chicago Tribune article I referenced was said it was published in 2000, and then this statement is in 1999. But if you remember in his statement, he said he was referring to, and by 1999, this many schools. Okay. So, to me, that means that his statement was somewhere between 99 and 2000. Mm-hmm. But I, So, either way, his Flip-flopping is either even worse than I could have imagined or um, like it changed very quickly 
Right. You know what I mean? Between mm-hmm. like somewhere in 1990 is when he was just like, oh, well, I'm not part of that anymore. You know, <laughs> it's like, which is it? But I just want to point that out because I feel like that's interesting because you can line those two things up mm-hmm. to being like, these both were like 1999, you know. Yep. So now let's talk about how the program actually worked. First of all, the program was dependent on character coaches or as Bill Gothard once called them, the happy people. Which stemmed from apparently um, was a nickname given to them by some of the students at one point. Which, of course, not only harkens back to shiny, happy people. Yeah. But also our dig about smiling and how you weren't allowed to be glum. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to be, don't be a glum Christian, is what he said. Because um, then you weren't proving, like, what was it? Like, the joys of leading a Christian life Mm -hmm. or something like, you know, some shit like that. So. Yeah. Smiling in a bright countenance, once again, proves to be a very purposeful tactic. Man, I know you're really depressed and potentially have an abusive spouse, but (laughs) there's no need to bum me out with your glumminess. (laughs) Don't be a glum Christian. Uh, Back to it. These character coaches are largely made up of ATI students and young adults, which is a twofer, really. Free labor and a way to keep the young folk immersed, mm-hmm. you know. So if they're if yep. they're kept busy in ministry, they they hardly have any fucking time to like have thoughts or questions or other interests. <laughs> Just keep them busy. Uh... It's a twofer. So these character coaches are not paid, which we knew, and actually spend their own money or their damn parents' money, their parents money. rather, <laughs> uh, to come to Oklahoma City to be trained. Once they're turned loose in the schools, it looks like this. The character coaches go to each classroom, teaching that week's particular character quality. Then after they've spent the individual time in each classroom, there's usually a large assembly type gathering to kind of wrap up the character quality with more activities. These character coaches would also present to teachers and principals on the character quality so that they could teach and like supplemental lessons Mm -hmm. to their students. And in some instances, they would even train selected high school students on how to be a character coach. You know, so like the districts would then have their own supply of free labor. Oh, yeah. You know, but that's just teaching more character. If you make the teenager like a, uh, that's like responsibility. Well, yeah. If I heard a character coach as a child that was in school, I'd be like, man, I hope I get, like, Superman, or I just have a thought of, like, a character that's sitting there, like, helping me Can I stuff. be the Pink Ranger coach? Ooh, yeah. I want to be Kimberly. Mm-hmm. Kimberly character coach? Yes! Mm-hmm. I would be Kimberly character coach. Yeah. We'd give you two exclamation points on that. Hell yes. <laughs> it's also worth noting the irony that because most of these character coaches were former or current ATI students... This was usually their first and only experience in a public school kind of setting. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's not awkward. Not at all. And it's because they make them, like, show up, like, in their same outfits that they would wear to, like, stuff at the the conferences. It's like, oh it's like Navy. You're supposed to wear, like, Navy pants or skirt and, like, a white, mm-hmm. like, polo top or, like, a white top and whatever. And there was even a part where I was reading, like, one of the schools at first was, like, we were asked them to wear something wear something more casual. We didn't think our students would 
um be receptive receptive. but then they're like no no and then so then they started making like their high school students like dress the same and they're like all the kids want to dress up now (laughs) god as far as the actual curriculum goes it's taught through the use of songs stories recitations crafts games coloring pages character cards posters just anything and everything and from what I could find, it looks like there's a core nine qualities that they focus on, okay. which it lines up because when I, how I read of how like the character coaches would come to the schools in nine week blocks. Mm. So then when I, I was like, oh, that makes sense. The only thing I'm not quite sure on though, is that some of the materials that came across still showed the, the OG like 49 qualities. Okay. So I'm not sure if they just have those other 40 supplemental or I'm not really... Hadn't been reduced down yet. Yeah. I'm not (laughs) certain on the specifics, but it does sound like there's a core nine. And just like the original character qualities, they have a counter quality. So the core nine with their opposites are attentiveness versus unconcern, gratefulness versus unthankfulness. I do have a question. Yes. These are the the negative like foils to the good character qualities. Yeah. Those are the ones that they said they have an animal representative, right? Yes. Because that, I'm sorry, as an animal lover, that was the most interesting part of that for me. Where I'm like, so mm. who's the, who's the, um, unconcerned animal, you know? Cats. <laughs> yeah, Mildred is pretty fucking unconcerned. Yep. yep. I feel um, like in general, cats what's are the pretty unthankful unconcerned. Unthankful animal. Um, ooh, unthankful. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it would have to be specific. It would have to be like petting zoo animals. They're really unthankful. We told that story where it's like I was terrified because I gave them food and they were like, what else you got, bro? And I went, "Ah!" and I threw it at him. Yep. Unthankful. So Goats. Attentiveness versus unconcern. Gratefulness versus unthankfulness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness versus rejection. Obedience versus willfulness. Truthfulness versus deception orderliness versus disorganization, generosity versus stinginess, sincerity versus hypocrisy, and virtue versus impurity. Just like the OGs, like we just said, they align with an animal that exhibits that quality, and there's nature stories. But (laughs) since they supposedly, and I say that because you'll see, um, supposedly scrubbed the materials of religion, instead of relating these qualities to Bible stories, Instead, they relate them to historical figures. And Abraham Lincoln seems to be a fucking favorite. (laughs) For example, in the lesson on attentiveness, the kids, (laughs) they learn that Abe did not slouch in his chair or sit with his feet propped up on his desk. He sat straight up in his chair and, you know, he would lean toward the person who was talking. That seems, uh, back, back up a little bit, man. I find it hilarious that they're like, yeah, 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 he sat up straight, and, like, somehow that that's something that they can very specifically sign to, like, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, he was a straight sitter. Well, I mean, if there's anything I know about Abraham Lincoln, the only thing is the fact that he had great posture. Yes. Like, he didn't do anything else, did he? Yeah, just sat up straight and no feet on the desk. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was, those are the only two things I know about. That's what he's known for. Um, I'm going to use him again because they fucking love them some Abe. And in the lesson on forgiveness, they're taught that Abe responded with kindness toward the ones who had fought against his armies. And he also showed forgiveness when he was attacked by a band of escaping slaves who feared capture. Yeesh. Okay. 
taught in your uh, public schools, ladies and gents. And it just gets worse, though. With each character quality, there are I will mantras. mantras oh, gosh. Um, that they have the kids recite. One of them being, I will guard my eyes, ears, words, and thoughts. I will abstain from anything which might damage or pollute my mind or body. There is also emphasis on being grateful for authority with these mantras. Oof. I will show appreciation to my authorities. I will write them notes of gratefulness for all they've done for me. <laughs> Not at all religious or culty. No. Not at all culty. No. Some stuff is exactly the same as it is in ATI materials. Like some of the songs. Here is the lyrics to the song that the students sing about obedience. This is probably a banger. I'm so ready. Obedience is listening attentively. Obedience will take instruction joyfully. Mm. Obedience heeds wishes of authorities. Uh huh. Obedience will follow orders instantly. Oh. For when I am busy at my work or play and someone yeah. calls my name, I'll answer right away. Oh, damn. Now we're rhyming? I'll be ready with a smile to go the extra mile. As soon as I can say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, hup, two, three, hup, two, three. Worth noting that there is a lot of marching in place and saluting involved in these various songs, mantras, and recitations. You know, we... Not at all culty sounding. No, not at all. Sounds culty to me. So you're saying if I pulled that out at a like an open mic rap battle, that wouldn't do so hot? Um, Not here. Okay. Maybe Ben maybe Seawald. Maybe in Oklahoma. Maybe with Ben Seawald and his <laughs> rapping. Um, but yeah. If I was in like Arkansas in some sort, you know. Even though character first education made its way into many states, I want to focus on one particular state, and that state is Florida. Okay. The reason for that is that they came in early in a big, big way. Okay. So first we had Oklahoma with their sad little eight school pilot program, you know, right? And then Warren School District in uh, Arkansas scoffed at that and raised them by implementing it in the entire district. Well, Florida upped the ante even more by getting it implemented across the entire state. Wow. But let's go back to the beginning. The way it came up... They didn't want to be character third or character second. They wanted to come in character first. Good one. That's a good one. So the way it came about is actually an interesting story. A bill was first introduced in 1998 to establish character training and all uh, character education in all Florida schools. It passed unanimously in both the House and Senate, 39 to 0 and 113 to 0. Wow. Then in 1999, sounds like the bill was up again with more specific implementation details. So it's like the first time it was like, Here's this idea, and it's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Now it's mm-hmm. here, like, here's what we're actually, like... <laughs> here's you know, the real message, yeah. not the whitewashed <laughs> message, yeah. So the part that gets real interesting real fast is that the bill was first introduced by State Representative Tracy Stafford and Senator Howard Foreman, both liberal Democrats. Huh. So kind of interesting, right? A little bit different of the people than you would expect to be involved in IBLP. Yes. Well, that's because they didn't know shit about fuck. (laughs) When both were asked about Bill Gothard, they had no idea who he was. They were then informed of how he was the creator behind the character teachings 
and were filled in on his teachings um, overall on authority and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. To which Stafford then said, quote, I can see how that could lead to a continuation of child abuse. And Foreman (laughs) said that after learning all of that, he, he didn't actually think character first should be taught in schools after all. Wow. Quote, I never heard of Gothard, and I think his ideas ideas sound kind of screwy. Screwy. I don't support the kind of character training where people sing songs about discipline, which we, which we Jeez. talked about. I don't support religious extremists of any kind. But you but did you <laughs> because you were the one to introduce the bill in the first place. Yeah. So the whole point of that is that Bill Gothard's cherry picking whitewashing was working well there's more to the story yes but there's more to the story so besides the fact that they are they clearly knew absolutely fucking nothing about something that they not only were supporting but presenting in the first place why did how did why did they even do it how did it even get there well they did it because hamilton foreman no relation to the senator howard foreman that we're discussing hamilton foreman he asked them to. And who is Hamilton? He's a Christian millionaire who's had a huge influence on Florida politics via his donations to political campaigns. Okay. Sound familiar? Very. So he gets in their ear, he gets them on board, and he gets them to present the bill for him. Of course, he had donated to both of them before. and But it's funny, like one of them was like 2000 They only said the donation amount on one of them. In, in the article I read, it was only like $2,750. It wasn't even like a massive amount. Mm-hmm. But on one hand, you might think it's weird as fuck to donate to politicians on the opposite end of the political sp- spectrum of you. But really, it's genius. Mm-hmm. Because look what fucking happened. Yeah. One of their donors told them about this thing and he played them like a fucking fiddle. This is lobbying, yeah. by the way. Because, you know, they were like, oh, it's just about character. Like, how could character be bad? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he was banking on. Mm-hmm. So, if, and it fucking worked. And, and speculation on my end, but I feel like in their head, they're probably like, oh, cool. This is like an easy way to appease a donor mm-hmm. via something that they didn't think was something they were opposed to so they're like cool character fuck yeah you donate money and i'm gonna talk about character no problem yep he fucking got them and he got them good Mm. a true testament to how the best case scenario for people like bill gothard are to have supporters with a lot of money yeah lots of influence they're at the heads of boards Mm -hmm. yep so I want to read you a few things that Hamilton Foreman said about the bill because, after all, he's the real powerhouse behind it. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, how can you argue against virtue versus impurity? Who wants a liar? You've got to be sincere. Exactly what he was banking on. He also said he found nothing wrong with character versus authoritarian tone and that, quote, that's the problem. We've got complete freedom and nobody listens to anybody anymore. He also said that he expected some criticism from teachers' unions and teachers. Oh, because, ready for this one? Quote, oh, man. Teachers are too damn lazy to do anything. Oh, they don't want anyone buddy. to tell them what to do. 
He sounds like a real fucking treat, doesn't he? Oh, man. Bro, you don't even know. Nice. And you know what? Um, Taking it back for a second. One time we got a message from a listener that was like, love the pod, except I was really upset and hurt when you disparaged teachers this week in your episode about Gil. And I was like, the fuck? And they were like, maybe I heard wrong. Okay, you, you fucking did. You did hear wrong. It was the episode about Gil in the swing set. And the only mention of teachers in that episode mm-hmm. was when I said that he went to school intending to teach and coach. And then after deciding that he wanted to homeschool his kids because he got, need, he got you know, deep in the sauce of IBLP, mm-hmm. he was like, oh, that'll be a conflict of interest. So he decided not to teach anymore. And then I get this fucking message saying I'm disparaging teachers. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> so if she's still listening to the podcast right now she probably just heard that line and was like she's talking shit about teachers when it's Hamilton. which i feel like you and i are very much on the other side of the spectrum <laughs> oh, very. like one of the most difficult jobs and that's not counting all the bullshit that's just counting instructing children <laughs> yeah. and then there's all the bullshit that comes along with exactly. it especially these days and the low pay and the yeah i just i was baffled like, I, I replied, and yeah. I was like, I don't, like, I was like, that wasn't even something I felt like you could, like, even extrapolate inter- from in- that. Interpret. Like, I was like, mm. I, and I replied, and I was like, I literally don't understand. That's yeah. all I said. And they read it and didn't reply back. But um, all I can think of is if they heard, if they, and they were like, I hope I heard wrong. You did. But, yeah, if right now they heard that, that quote from him, they're probably like, they're out there talking shit about Here teachers again. again. Yeah. So. That's not me, you guys. That was the words of Hamilton Foreman. That ain't me. <laughs> that ain't anybody. That ain't anybody. <laughs> okay. So he's a real treat, and he says that, you know, they're just teachers are too damn lazy. Hamilton Foreman's words, not mine. Yeah. So Hamilton Foreman has a bunch of money and a bunch of influence and doesn't know shit about fuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Heard. Um, go figure. Hamilton had attended an IBLP seminar 15 years earlier. Color me surprised. And even met Bill Gothard and said that he taught a lot of good stuff. (laughs) But he assures everybody that he's not a believer in Bill Gothard. He's a believer in God and a believer in character training. I'm not one of those weirdos over here. But that's my point, though, is like the same with the school board member. Mm -hmm. If they have any, if they've, if, if they've, dipped their toe at any point even if they're not fully in it if they've dipped their toe but when they hear it pop up again they're like oh yeah i remember that was good stuff Mm -hmm. yep so this is what happens um he also freely admits quote i just told stafford if he introduced it i'd pass it money is power yep and you don't even have to be an elected official to know that you know you have major power as long as, long as, as you, have, you can influence As long them. as you have inf- money. As long as you have influence, and a lot of time influence comes from money. Yeah. So I feel like influence is the ultimate, and there's a couple, There's different ways you can get influence, mm-hmm. but is, there's no denying that money is a major way that you get influence. Yeah. And I won't jump on my soapbox, but that is definitely where dark money is a thing in elections. Mm-hmm. Because people that are at the heads of organizations or at the heads of companies can give money and do it through channels where you don't know where that money is coming from. And you like, I feel like those things inform it like this informs it. This person had 
these people had direct influence over the curriculum or, or programs that were going into a public government taxpayer funded school system. And this program, when they took certain things out of it, was able to worm its way through that system and and make it there. And I, I actually never wrote this down, but just because you were talking about like taxpayers and stuff like that, um, the pro- the estimated cost when these bills were introduced was that it was going to cost between five and seven million dollars in taxpayer money to implement this. Mm-hmm. So just another thing to think about. Yep. So we're gonna, uh, you know, the influence of a cult, but it's gonna you know only cost like a mere five to seven million. <laughs> That's it. And this is late 90s. Think of what would it be now. <laughs> yeah. And this so, one state. Yeah. So now let's hear from one of those lazy teachers that Howard Foreman is referring to. Um, Howard Foreman. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I said Howard. Um, it's Hamilton. Howard is the senator. Quote Hamilton Foreman. <laughs> yeah. So not me, guys. This is not me. Do I need to do the like the radio uh, disclaimer before they do things where I'll be like, the opinions that Winnie Salgado has expressed on this program do not rely. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that kind of. <laughs> this is fucking Hamilton Howard, guys. This is not me. So, anyways, regarding this bill, David Clark, a spokesperson for a Florida teaching association, said he's not necessarily against values training in public schools, mm-hmm. but adds that, quote, extremists must not take over that agenda. An extremist is exactly what Bill Gothard seems to be. A lot of th- these things and char- character first hit you wrong as it relates to the understanding and appreciation of tolerance and issues of diversity in our culture. We are suspicious and leery of those types of things. It sounds innocent on its face, but it smacks of thought police and lockstep mentality. Yep. And it's just very much like you err on the side of like, oh, well, the things that they're pushing on this like aren't bad in a vacuum character traits aren't bad in a vacuum mm-hmm. but when you look at the whole picture and you look at the system of control it's trying to perpetuate exactly. you're like oh yeah this ain't good yep he also said that bill gothard needed to be looked into before any of his programs become adopted by the s- state schools and Damn. said quote whenever you look at a message it pays to look at the messenger 100 percent. say that louder for stafford mm. and foreman will you <laughs> Those two that like got us into this mess because yep. yep. So um, David Clark, one of those lazy teachers, has got some spitting some spitting some, some wisdom truth over here. Yep. Yeah. Despite the two people who originally introduced the bill no longer saying that they're in support of it, the bill passed and was signed into law by Governor Jeb Bush. On the which su- I do want to point out when he was running for president. Or trying to get the nomination, his all of his signage said Jeb with an exclamation point at the end. <laughs> so this does make me laugh that he knows the power of Jeb. <laughs> well, well, you'll kind of see more on the subject of Jeb Bush. Jeb. <laughs> By the time he signed this into law for the state of Florida, mm-hmm. he had already himself implemented character first into his own charter school. This episode has so much yelling in it. Liberty City Charter School. Okay. Which just is an extra little tidbit. It's the very first charter school in the state of Florida ever. Founded back in 1996. Okay. Jeb Bush was very proud of having character first (laughs) in his school. 
and even more proud of the fact that he used it as a replacement for sexual education curriculum. Oh, my God. Because they're interchangeable. Because these two things are interchangeable. I got to read you this quote from him. Oh, my God. We're going to get rid of PE, but don't worry. We're going to replace it with auto shop. They're the same thing. I mean... After a prolonged debate between the foundation and the Dade County School Board, LCCS has replaced the human growth and development classes taught in other Florida public schools with its own alternative classes in character education. This is where he gets tooty and like snarky. In case you aren't up on the latest political, cor- politically correct trend in public education, human growth and development classes teach sex education, not only to older children, but to kindergartners and first graders who perform a variety of exercises to identify their private parts. <laughs> I'm going to say that's not that's not I'm what's gonna going to say that's not what's happening. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um. Want to take a guess as to who Jeb Bush first learned about character Jeb. first from? Mike Huckabee. Hamilton Foreman. Damn. So I was Hammy. Trying to get Huckabee back in there. Hammy got in the ears of three people. <laughs> Hammy. Good old Hammy over here. Those two representatives that got the bill introduced and Jeb Bush. And this was early Jeb. Jeb, when, before Jeb was actually even governor. Jeb. So Hammy played his cards well. Good old Hammy piece of shit <laughs> no not good old hammy more like character worst am i right yep quick sidebar jeb's charter school was a yep. fucking disaster and shut down in 2008 i'm dying of not surprise um, and his whole like terms his two terms as um governor there's a lot of things shrouded in controversy with things he did in education in general we won't even get into all of that but his charter school was a fucking um disaster and people were like quick to point out that he took away sex ed in a county that um had like some of the highest uh teen pregnancies pregnancies? (laughs) way to go jeb jeb yep so Uh. I just thought I'd let you know his whole school thing, fucking disaster. And so, like, he used it as such a thing when he was running for governor. And then later on, spoiler alert, when he runs for uh, president, people are like trying to bring it up. And he's like, nah! you know, <laughs> can we not talk about this? <laughs> yeah, oh, man. And just because I know that we have listeners from outside of the U.S., I want to explain a little more about Jeb. Jeb. Not only was he the governor of Florida for two terms, as I've mentioned. And also what I just spoiled, he ran for president in 2016. Mm-hmm. Didn't make it very far, though. Like No. Uh, and but- there's something funny I want to add when you're done. No, go for it. Right now. What about his? So, obviously, we're making fun of the exclamation point. Jeb. But, <laughs> but it's funny every time. But at the time, it was a hilarious, like, it was subtle in his marketing which i'm here for i'm here for subtle marketing but the thing was homie was real boring (laughs) i remember him being i remember him being on the talk show circuit and i'm like this is horrific oh yeah he was (laughs) and i will say you're gonna get to who his family is and the role they played in politics and as much as there's very very uh polarized things on both his father and his brother it was, he's so, 
Like, they had some personality. Whether they made bad decisions or did bad things anyway, they at least had a little personality. He got Homie nothing going. Nothing. So <laughs> nothing. I think it's hilarious that they were like, we need to get the excitement out for Jeb. And they were like, what do we do? Eh, I don't know. Just he's, hit the He's not even point. vanilla. Like, if he was a candle, he'd be like a plain candle that unscented has no unscented. Candle. Yeah, like yeah. white soy. <laughs> he's like, what a miracle whip on Wonder Bread. <laughs> yes. So, as Tim just said, he, so, you know, not only governor for two terms, Mm -hmm. uh, ran for president in 2016, also the son of former President George H.W. Bush and brother to former President George W. Bush. So, he comes from a prominent political family, to say the very least. (laughs) Something worth pointing out. Jeb Bush signed into law the requirements of having character curriculum included in all Florida schools in 1999. This is uh, then during his brother George's presidential campaign. um, George made character a big focus in his campaign. And at one point, he even visited a school in Texas, which was his home state, Mm -hmm. that utilized character first curriculum. He met with the school coordinator for their character program, among others, uh, and discussed the importance of character. It's interesting. So that's part of the whole Mm -hmm. campaign trail thing. Then in George's, you know, like we said, he became president. So that was the big spoiler. He wins. Mm -hmm. And in George's January 2001 inauguration speech, a recurring theme as he spoke was character. Mm Mm-hmm saying such things as, Today we affirm a new commitment to live out our nation's promise through civility, courage, compassion, and character. He also said, Our public interest depends on private character, as well as mentions of building communities of service and a nation of character. Now, to be very clear, I completely understand that the word character, the word and and concept Mm -hmm. of character is not owned by IBLP and can exist outside of them. Mm -hmm. I also acknowledge that it's entirely possible that George may have emphasized character anyway, Mm -hmm. and it could have had nothing to do with being aware of the program his brother had in his school and the school he toured. Possible. I, of course, can't say anything with certainty about Mm -hmm. that. And I also don't think that at its core, this is like what you were saying earlier, at its core, the concept of character is not a bad thing inherently. Mm. The issue here is how Bill Gothard spins character as a way to get people to be obedient and fall in line. Agree. It's taken to like an entirely different place than what you or I think of character as. Mm -hmm. It's entirely different. Yep. So my point in bringing this up is just to point out the connections. And even if not directly intended to be a line to Bill Gothard and IBLP ideology, the potential is there. Mm -hmm. Someone could hear the speech and be inspired by all this talk of character and, you know, and then find out that there's this program that the president toured and thinks is great and his brother Mm -hmm. does it. And, you know, again, with the who could possibly be against good Mm -hmm. character. Which, again, is what Bill Gothard and everybody is banking on. You can be pre-med by, like, 15. (laughs) And before you know it, the influence of a cult leader is in more and more public schools. Yeah. 
So because like I'm not because it's easily digestible now. Yes. And again, I'm not saying that George W. Bush was up there being like IBLP, but it's just the the little it, it's all about the little co- connections and the mm-hmm. subtle undertones and the way that it works its way into things without even the people who are working it in knowing. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't even know that's what they're doing. Yep. And this was also an era where like technology was different. So the idea of being like hey, this group's kind of pushing this thing, like, maybe I should do a little digging. Like, that wasn't a thing at yeah, that time Yeah, it's not either, what it is now, you know? by any means. Like, I really, really hope that if the same scenario was going to play out these days, that it would be like, you know what, let me let me dig into what I'm actually supporting. I know that doesn't happen. But, it, but, but then you'll have... That wasn't even an option. The regular people of the world will bring it to the attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. the rest of us will be like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> So taking us back to character first in Florida schools, just so you get an idea of where things stand today, in 2021, the Florida Department of Education got more specific, even though it had been a requirement to have character education in schools for many, many years by that point, because we're talking 99 to 2021, there weren't clear set expectations and markers. Um, so they ended up putting some of those things in place. So there's a chance, I guess, that all those years that even if it was supposedly required, it may not have been a focus or even done, which is fine by me, <laughs> um, <laughs> just because there wasn't any standards or mark, you know, so, but now there are. And I'm going to keep this part briefish, but I wanted to bring it up because I came across it and it re- relates to our very own home state of Arizona. Okay. Arizona State Treasurer, David Peterson who served as treasurer from 2003 to 2006, and before that had worked in the Senate from 1995 to 2003. Well, David Peterson was a big backer of Character First. Okay. In fact, you're going to hear his name again in a future character dig. But David Peterson was instrumental in getting character education legislation passed here in Arizona. Then, in 2006... The Arizona Attorney General's office said that they had evidence that Peterson stole from the public, engaged in fraudulent schemes, and violated conflict of interest laws, all of which are felonies. Basically, story in a nutshell, some of his aides turned him in to the Attorney General, stating that he routinely traveled doing presentations for Character First, using taxpayer resources, And that he also held weekly character education programs for various state employees out of his office. Wow. And all the materials and things for these meetings were paid for with state resources. Unfortunately, he took a plea deal where all he got was a misdemeanor charge of failing to report income. As Arizona law requires all public officials to disclose all sources of revenue over $1,000 a year. And he had been paid not only by Character First, but a few other nonprofit organizations. Surprise, surprise. So basically, Homie used his time and resources as an elected official to not only promote these organizations, but he was being paid by them. Jeez. Which is why you're going to hear his name pop up in the future. Mm -hmm. He pled guilty to the misdemeanor charge and resigned as a... um, He resigned because that was um, written into his plea deal as part of the terms is that he had to resign. But he got away with 
felony charges. And they just so so they went down to the one thing where it's just like, okay, we'll just say you didn't report income. Meanwhile, he was he it's like he was working these other jobs with Mm -hmm. promoting something he wanted Mm -hmm. all on time and dime of the taxpayers. So this made me look up the whole character education rules in Arizona because I was never taught them. Were you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was curious. So I went on the ADE website, which brought me back. I used to go on the, <laughs> I, I used to go on the, I used to go to trainings downtown. I was like, oh man, I used to go on this website. So on the AD, ADE website and like as of current, the situation is that if you teach character curriculum, you can apply for a grant for doing so. So it was never a requirement, but there was legislation passed to have it introduced. So and, it's it kind of, in, and there was an incentive for it. Yeah. So kind of like that first legislation passing in Florida that was unanimous. And then later they had the second one where the bill made it mandatory. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that where it's like you can have it passed in legislation but not necessarily have it be like a mandated in every school thing. Mm-hmm. So that's how it stands here in Arizona. Okay. I'm also happy to report that on ADE's website, there's a list of pre-approved character curriculums to choose from. And character first is not listed. Character worst. Which brings me to my next topic. (laughs) Although character first is rampant, there are a lot more programs that have come into play over the years. Like competitors? Well, yeah. Okay. So so I just want to say, although if your kid has character curriculum in their school, I'd still totally side eye it before you have not, until you have an opportunity to like look (laughs) into it yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like look over that ship. Yeah. So basically, a lot of states and organizations were inspired by Character First and created their own programs. And even some Florida counties created their own. So just as an example, Mm. because we talked about Florida in depth. So just because you're in Florida and it's mandated, it doesn't mean they're necessarily getting Character First. Okay. Other ones were like, oh, it's a good idea. But maybe even they were like, yeah, there's still some shit. And then like, Mm -hmm. so there are approved programs that different, you know, states can use. Mm-hmm. A lead competitor to character first is character counts. Also with an exclamation point. Damn, they love their exclamation they do. points. Jeb <laughs> counts. <laughs> Jeb counts. <laughs> there's like there's there's first counts. Jeb. <laughs> in fact, character counts was included in the Florida bill as a secondary option. Hammy, Hammy Foreman, <laughs> the rich man behind the bill said that he had character counts put into the bill because he thought that having a second choice would help get the bill passed. But he doesn't much like character counts. Oh. But that's the, that's another tactic. Well, if I make it look like I'm not promoting just like this one thing, it'll right, help. Right, yeah. right. It's not a stretch in my mind to think that a reason he may not like character counts um, as much is because it's not as authoritarian in nature as character first. Okay. And wasn't created by a minister. <laughs> character counts centers around six pillars, which are trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, caring, and good citizenship. So a slightly different vibe than focusing on obedience, for example. Just Well, yeah. Just to give one example. But if I feel like it's the it's the like Oreo cookie thing or like Oreo cookie was not the original. 
It was, uh, what was the company? Oh God! That ends with the Hydro- next. Hy- Hydrox. Hydrox. Yeah. Is it- Hydrox was the original. Oreo came out, and then everyone was like, "Oh, that was the now that's the real one." That's not how this is. This feels like this is like generic count. You know what I mean? Like it's like the it's the we have we have character first at home is what it is what it kind of feels like. You know? Yeah. But I mean, they're smart. Let's let's jump on it while people and and I. I looked into it briefly. I'm like, I couldn't spend too much time because I had a lot of other stuff I was looking at. It, don't, don't come at me if like, because I didn't look into it like super deep, but from the little bits that I saw, I'm like, it doesn't look as alarming, you know, because it's like, again, it's not like be obedient, but like, I, I'm not, it's not like I can say I've seen every single piece of source material and yada, yada, but. So it's the great value version. Mm-hmm. Generic counts. <laughs> yeah. And finally, to close this whole thing out, um, let's talk about where Character First Education stands today. Okay. It still exists, but the program was bought by um, Strata or Strata, I don't know, Strata, Strata Leadership in 2012. On their Frequently Asked Questions page, it reads, is Character First a religious program? And they say all character first education curriculum was developed by education or by educators, sorry, in accordance to common core educational standards and is compatible with public education. All materials are secular and do not include any religious references or undertones. I mean, and everybody loved common core (laughs) when that was a a new thing. Strata also has a business program and other like legs of it mm-hmm. so it kind of just looks like the new cti mm-hmm. but supposed to be more secular copy that okay so, again because i had already done a whole lot like i couldn't get too deep into them but yeah that's where it stands today and that is the saga of character first education man it just got its like little tentacles into so much yeah and because it was like we've like what started with us talking about the Russia stuff, like it was, it became so whitewashed that it was easily digestible. And from an outside perspective, people were like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. And that's why I really wanted to tell that story first mm-hmm. so that there would be an understanding of like how we're just seeing the exact same repeated patterns, mm-hmm. the invitations. And then they're like, oh shit, we can do more with this. And then yeah. there you go. And then mm-hmm. I just think it's so funny that in the same year, like, so that art- that one article is from 2000, but he's referencing 1999 statistics. Mm-hmm. But so it's like, either way, I feel like within a six-month period, Bill Gothard's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a part. And then he's like, we'll have nothing to do with that. It's like, <laughs> which the fuck is it, man? Yeah. Are you p- loud and proud like you were 10 seconds ago in this other thing? And then now you're like, well, no, 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 please. Playing to whoever his audience is. Exactly. Yeah. That's That was exactly my point. So. Damn. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Well, we're going to bring it home. There's one thing that... Uh, a handful of podcasts that I really enjoy um, started doing. And it was kind of just a way of sharing things that made them happy. So sometimes it was like a band they're listening to with like a song that like got them into it. Sometimes it was like a product. There was a couple times where they were like, you know what? There was this sweet woman that was the red, the cashier at the grocery store I went to. And they tell a good story of just positive goodness um and i felt like i had one this week i've had a song stuck in my head for a while so um i want to preliminarily call this uh things i'm digging on oh i see what you did there yeah 
you see what I digged I, there? Oh, <laughs> Boom, damn. I gave her the twofer. Damn, double whammy. Yeah. So if you're looking for something that will hopefully bring a little bit of joy into your life this week, I am digging on a band called Twain, like Mark Twain, T-W-A-I-N. And they have a song that I absolutely love that's called Dear Mexico, Thank You for Joyce. Like the name, Joyce. So I am digging on this week. Well, I will have to dig that up. (laughs) Oh, there it is. And dig on it myself. (laughs) So listen to it. Let me know. I just thought it was something good. It brought a lot of joy into my life recently, and I just wanted to share. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. Hopefully that'll be something new that people like. And like I said, it could be multiple things. It's just something that brought me joy this week. So if you dig on what you hear and you want to support our work, you can join us at buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the dug. We do have, what did we, what was the number of episode we just posted? Like eight? Uh, I think. we. She posts some extra visual things and it's it starts some good convo so join us on buymeacoffee.com if you dig what you're listening to join us for some wonderfully curated visuals about our dig or about the episode or even just fun kind of like normal life things on instagram at digging up the duggers pod and if you enjoy supporting the postal service we do have a p.o box p.o box 5973 glendale arizona 85312 all right i guess that's it Jeb! First! Counts!